Hey guys, hope you are all well. Welcome back to another episode of the Content Creator Podcast. The podcast to help creators create. Now, this was a very interesting uh, episode. Lots of tangents, lots of uh, detours in conversation, despite me having my list of questions right up in front of me. But um, I can never never really help myself. But uh, fantastic episode today, Mr. Matt Webster. Um, some great, great insight um, into you know kind of strategy and the and the balance, making the balance basically between kind of the paid advertising as well, which is a huge thing for a lot of the bigger brands, um, and and kind of matching that alongside uh, organic content and kind of trying to think a little bit longer term than the uh, weekly and monthly spreadsheets that we are often so used to and subjected to in the uh, in the corporate world at least anyway. So um, really, really interesting episode. We dive off into a into a few different tangents, um, but it was all good stuff. So. It's not getting edited out, I'm afraid. Uh, really hope you enjoy the episode. Please like, comment, share, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, all that good stuff that us YouTubers like to say. Uh, and I really hope you enjoy this episode and I shall see you soon. What a treat, ladies and gentlemen. Mr. Matt Webster. How are we How's doing? it going? All right. I'm good. Yeah, how you doing? Yeah, not too really bad. Good. We've actually gone. We've gone international, I believe, as proven by the sun on the uh, <laughs> on the webcam yeah. there. But are you still in Brazil at the moment? I it's forgot to ask you that before effect. we even started. I am. Yeah, I am. I'm Magic. still here uh, in in Rio in a place called Laranjeiras, which is a place where I live near Flamengo. You might have heard of near Botafogo in 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 Rio in Brazil. And that is real sunshine. That is not fake. <laughs> it's not a filter. We <laughs> no. can confirm it is not a filter. What a treat. <laughs> well, I imagine it's a little bit warmer over there than it is, uh, it is here. Did you come back over to the UK, though? I thought you were back for a little while in the uh, middle yeah. of the lockdown, I think, and then you went back over. Yeah, we came back. It was like a strategic like airstrike from Brazil where um, it was like August. We came over for a month. Yeah. Um, my wife and my daughter and we we just my wife kind of said if we're going to go over to the UK it's probably going to have to be now because um, you know she rightly predicted the the second wave that would come and winter and stuff and people being in close in close spaces in, in the UK and stuff yeah. so yeah we kind of timed it perfectly it was it was kind of scary it was a bit of a risk but we all got tested and then we all masked up and then we've got like swathes and swathes of alcohol gel that you have to swim through <laughs> as you go through the airport everybody keep the masks on on a long-haul flight and yeah and then spent a, a month over in the UK one thing I noticed actually we, we noticed when we got to the UK is the difference in mask culture mask wearing mm. culture so here although there are lots of problems like everywhere a yeah. uh, very simple rule here is if you leave the house you put a mask on that's it and then when you come back to your house you can take your mask off Obviously, if you need to eat whilst you're outside, take your mask off or whatever. But it's a very simple rule. I think that's worked really, really well over here. And I didn't see that. I uh, saw so a lot of complicated rules being projected, communicated by the government, etc. In, in the UK. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's right or wrong. I'm just observing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think it has been a little bit of a, of a, of, of a weird one over there. I've sort of, during all of this, saw myself using Facebook less and less as well. Um, I'm not one. I actually I love a good conspiracy theory. Just more so, you know, like the kind is like the kind of you know what if the air was actually oxygen was was actually killing us and we were meant to live forever. Like I like stuff like that where you go, oh that's that's quite that's quite interesting. That and then and then they're kind of demissed by the time 
you think about it for a, more than about three seconds and then you go, oh, that's, that's, that's actually quite stupid. But then, you know, to the extent of conspiracy theories on Facebook and stuff, they've got a little bit annoying. So I just sort of, uh, <laughs> I'm on LinkedIn more than, more than anything else. Yeah, I mean, it's not just annoying as well. There are obviously, as we've, we've seen from over in the US, um, and as we'll see when this vaccine, these vaccines roll out, uh, it's quite yeah. dangerous as well. Um, these conspiracy theories can be dangerous to society as a whole. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 there's, lots of, there's lots of memes, and the Brazilians are actually, in my opinion, the lords of the memes because they, they, they just they bring out memes like something happens in the news, meme almost before it's happened love it um but uh yeah I, I i saw one and it was to do with wearing like wearing a mask if you're in the u.s versus wearing a mask uh in brazil and I, I can't remember but it was a caricature that that summed it up it's just about the the difference in culture here even though we're still in the americas mm. um they don't seem to have projected the machismo onto the mask like like the u.s have but um yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's um, it's dangerous, and I think that I've seen a meme as well where people we saw some scientists in a lab that I thought was really funny, and it was scientists in a lab, and then this guy sat there and he's like, "Hang on a minute, guys, this, somebody's saying something on the Facebook." So it's like people are like, "You've got science and you've got Facebook." Yeah. Um, you should I probably know where I'm... probably use science, but yeah. people are more and more having their heads turned by Facebook. So it's it's can laugh about it with memes but it is dangerous it is it certainly is well that was a positive start anyways wasn't it that was <laughs> a nice uplifting start uh i didn't actually introduce you properly so we'll start with um we'll start with that you'll do a better job of it than me so to uh to follow suit of an 80s game show what's your name what do you do and where are you from what's your name what do you do where do you come from which was that was that blankety blank or was I've it got, i've got no idea i can't remember to be honest <laughs> it wasn't bullseye that was classic in one Bull, bullseye is a bit like it, with this podcast bullseye is like listening to any other podcast and that's kind of this is what you could have won instead of listening to mine but uh yeah exactly this is this is the podcast that you could have appeared on <laughs> instead <laughs> could of have won a speedboat. where do you live rotherham <laughs> yeah all right so um to cut a long story short i am a, a marketing consultant i work a lot in social strategy and brand activations and creative ideas that type strategies for brands and agencies I also have fun working uh, on personal branding for people who want who are either CEOs of giant corps or just people who want to who are freelancers who want to talk about themselves. Uh, so personal branding and also um, marketing strategy <coughs> for brands and agencies. Excuse me, <coughs> that's what I get up to. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks to the um, delights of Wi-Fi, <laughs> I've discovered that I can work here in Rio with anybody around the world. So that's awesome. that's a lot of fun. I love it. So the next question, how did you actually get started in uh, in marketing? These are all the, the cliche podcast questions and then we actually get into some um, some exciting stuff, but we'll we'll tick the boxes. How did you how did you actually get started in yeah, in, in marketing or in uh, in social media? Right, well I was doing a really good job as a scientist and then I saw Facebook and it kind of said, don't do that, do Facebook. And I was like, oh yeah, screw science, let's do Facebook. Uh, actually, that, that is, is and What's funny is, <laughs> I, that's actually a true story. I, I actually seen your post about that, I think it was last night, or, uh, yeah, I didn't actually realise that you'd... Um, the pharmacology one? Yes, yes, I didn't actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. That. 
It's true. It's true. So, so I studied pharmacology and then got into the world of uh, pharma. Um, most people think that that's well. A lot of people that I met back then, when I was doing it straight out of uni, were like, "You don't look much like a pharma, mate." I'm like, "No, it's pharma with a PH. It's the pharmaceutical <laughs> industry." So um, I worked in the pharmaceutical industry primarily in sales, talking to doctors and key opinion leaders and surgeons, and, and then moved a little bit into marketing, but it was primarily sales. And then I then I just I spent like seven years after uni doing that. I'd kind of. I kind of reached my peak. Was it Alan Shearer, right? Who once said that he quit at his peak? Alan Shearer was like, uh, I don't he know. Are you asking, are you asking me that peak. because of the Geordie accent, or do you assume that I've got some knowledge around football? No, I mean, the Geordie <laughs> accent helped, but I'm sure Alan Shearer was like, he kind of prides himself on a lot of things, but he's like, yeah, I, I quit at my peak. But no, what I, I'm not, what I, I did was, I'm not too sure, actually. I don't know. <laughs> but what I did is, I, I managed to do well in the end. At, at, pharma sales, pharmaceutical uh, sales. And um, so then it was less of a pressure for me where I thought, right, I want to make a shift, I want to make a change. And then if that screws up, I can always come back because my CV is like shit hot now, like check it out, look what yeah. I did. So I thought, <laughs> yeah, let's go for it. <clears throat> so I went into media sales. It was mainly like um, PR communications, radio broadcast sales down in London. And it was hardcore sales. It was literally like, smash the phones, sales floor, um, crazy forfeits, trying to hit the board, trying to get, you know, all that kind of stuff. It was like yeah. uh, the Wolf of Wall Street on a very small, the Wolf of King's Cross it was, because that's where <laughs> the office was. Um, it was way more above board than that though, to be fair, um, than, than the film obviously. Um, and so I enjoyed that, and but I started doing, it was mainly media sales based on talking to uh, the healthcare industry. So it was lots of PR interviews about new drug launches or about disease areas. So, and then I kind of branched out into healthcare products that were more mainstream that the consumers could actually purchase. And then I just started, then I started, it was basically, I was called a regional, oh, I was called an associate director, but basically I was a salesperson and account manager in one. Um, enjoyed that. And then from that set up, uh, social media uh, marketing agency stayed there for nine years co-run that that was a, a a big ride that was fun and then after nine years there it was like I need another change kind of exited sold my um, shares in that company that I co-founded so that was kind of weird it's kind of mm. but but needed I needed to do it and move on and uh, yeah and, and I moved on by actually moving to Brazil as well after after a year and I've just been what I've been really enjoying although I love the banter in the office I prefer like I prefer working from a cafe next to a beach going for a run and then kind of you know going going to a cool place cool place a hotel staying there having a shower and then working in the lobby or you know going off into the countryside I mean I did I did a competition campaign with a drinks and a barbecue brand put them together whilst I was sat in a field on the outskirts of Sao Paulo, like looking at mountains. I'm like, I don't miss the office banter as much as I would miss doing this. So, yeah. Yes, yeah, so that's where I'm now. From that. Na Dream now life, remote. eh? Dream life. Well, so with I that, mean, well, there's ups on. and downs, you know. Yeah. You can't get a decent, <laughs> get a decent pint, pint of ale around here. You can get very cold lager, but you can't get a decent pint of bitter, so. 
That's no good. <laughs> is it worth it, though, uh, to not have that for, I'm assuming, the many more upsides <laughs> of being in Brazil? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, the weather, the culture, it's all fun. It's, it's all great. It's all brilliant. I like it here. I like the city of Rio. I like Brazilian culture. Um, but, you know, just like wherever you decide to live, there's ups and downs. I just really like the ups here. I mean, I love, I'm from Sheffield. I go back to Sheffield and I'm like, oh, freaking love this place. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. really appreciate it when you come back, you know. Um, so it's what you make of it wherever you go. You could come to Rio and have a really fucking miserable time. It's just what you make of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, moving on. I'm going to stop distracting you. Um, first question. First question. We're going to get into actual strategy stuff and marketing stuff and social media stuff. The reason I believe that my one one listener tunes in for, um, so I'm told. Um, so based on your thoughts as a consultant uh, and all of the consulting and all that sort of stuff that you do, bearing in mind the kind of content that you uh, put out and all the rest of it, what do you think is the biggest a misunderstanding, mistake, missed opportunity? We'll kind of roll the next four questions into one. Why not? Uh, into that businesses make. Um, when it comes to developing kind of effective marketing strategies, social content ideas, all that sort of stuff. I'll leave you with a very long-winded open question to be to kick things off. Well, I think mistake, I think mistake is um, always looking for short-term over long-term. And there are viable reasons for that because, you know, particularly clients, um, big clients and their marketing teams, you've got brand managers and you've got assistant branding managers, for example, and that assistant brand manager wants to make the mark and move up, you know, that's, they're in the corporate world. They want to progress, they want to get promoted. So that is natural because that's that person's personal adventure in life. They want to, to do well and, and move up the rankings, etc. But with that, sometimes that can affect the, the brand and the brand's journey. Because I found that, I found that the short term can help people get recognized in companies like an assistant brand manager or a brand manager <clears throat> so they can make it to the next level and that tends to be stuff that people remember tends to be tactics um it's harder i've i find or it's harder for people to recognize that if you get recognized for a strategy um a long-term strategy which those ideas connect to that's going to have much more of um, a, a bigger impact in terms of sales or in terms of whatever key objectives that brand's looking for in terms of its growth um, but you've, you've got to wait around to see that um, i know naturally everybody wants everything now or yesterday so short-termism <clears throat> is a recognized problem in marketing agencies get annoyed by it first of all because they can't have as much of an impact over short term uh, and second of all because if an agency let's be honest gets a client to understand that this is a long-term project, project. the agency is going to get paid more for longer. Uh, so it frustrates the agencies, but the clients, in my, in my experience, um, will talk about long-term, but really they only really celebrate and do the short-term tactics, the brand activations. It's those things that clients talk about when they're at the water cooler, when they're at their office and you're not there as an agent or a consult, an agency or a consultant. They'll meet up and have a stinky tuna sandwich in the kitchen and throw their forks in the bin and drink their cold coffee. And whilst they're doing that, they're talking about that brand activation. They haven't got time to talk about the amazing overarching strategy that everything's tied to. And that's what people get remem remembered for. It is also the fun stuff. 
Um, it still needs to be done, um, but I think one mistake is uh, a bit over overemphasis on on short termism. And something that's misunderstood uh, is social organic content, especially in social media spheres. So organic content versus paid content, and the mix, and whether you need one or the other. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's still a lot of people um, in big brands as well who who are obsessed with the vanity matrix or it's maybe obsessed is too big a word but they're still putting too much attention attention on vanity matrix a quick example is i've been working with a, cl a client um fairly recently and i was um i put together the social content strategy social media strategy and that included paid and organic right from the off it was like organic excuse me organic is there to keep the lights on it's there for people when they're kind of going back. Does the brand exist? Has it, how often has it been posting? Are they posting stuff? That's, that's just to keep the lights on. The paid stuff is what the consumers are actually going to see. Uh, and the paid stuff um, is actually going to get your product sold in the forum of social media online. And, and, it, and I, I was working with this client and that's, we kicked off and that's what was happening. And the social media was driving 300% plus return on, on ad spend from really early on. So we started selling more of their products using the social paid social media, so that was a winner. And then their organic content was good, it was different, it, we were testing, but obviously the reach was, literally one of the posts, the reach was 13 people. So I mean, you could shout, I could shout out of my window here, <laughs> right now, the key messages of that brand, more people, it would reach, literally reach more people than that, than that organic post. Yeah. but. They were obsessed with, rather than the fact that they were making money that they weren't making before, they were hung up on the fact that we're not getting that many more followers since we've been doing this, um, uh, that there's not that many people liking our organic posts. Um, and you know, that's, that's my job to, to explain to them why that doesn't really matter and selling your products does matter, but people still get caught up in it and that's a big misunderstanding. That was going to come on to the next uh, the next point of kind of actually finding that balance between ad ad content or, or paid advertising versus the organic, um, and I've actually found myself so I don't deal with I deal a little bit more with the organic stuff, visual production, the content side of things, um, and I and based on the stuff I was telling you about the last job, um, I kind of fell or hate now the thought of an Excel spreadsheet and numbers and reports and all that sort of stuff. So I kind of naturally try and avoid a little bit of the um of the actual paid advertising side but now and again end up delving into it reminding myself how much i how much i hate it but even even despite all of that find myself now especially in the past few months especially with the um huge huge drop in costs on facebook purely because not many other brands were advertising and all the rest of it found myself like really really pushing people because they want that short-term win i think the um pushing people towards the um, the paid advertising a, a hell of a lot more, um, and the, the you sort can of way get short term win. Yeah, 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 exactly. I think that the the, um, the way that I've sort of tried to sum it up is the ad content is a little uh, the the paid advertising. Sorry, is probably is your short term win or shorter term win takes an actual investment of money, which people not many people want to do, um, and then the organic is the long term. Uh, like the I will not take a conversation any further until I've said like. The organic content, 
post that every day and if you're going to be happy to not see anything from that for at least like two years <laughs> or revisit it in two years then maybe go ahead and start talking about organic content i just try and get that out of the way now because so many times when i very first started and it was just social media management as opposed to moving a little bit more towards like the video um stuff um, yeah. it was literally like start work on, with a client on monday and what have you done by friday and it's like well not a huge amount why hasn't our page likes done this and all the rest of it so hmm. really really try to just dispel that and really kind of hammer home and make them agree <laughs> pretty much on the fact that patience is uh is required but um yeah well, i think yeah you're absolutely right i think then uh, also what kind brands have to remember is that a brand posting organically on facebook for example i think it's not 0.4% of their audience will see on average that post mm. which is sod all people it is like shouting into a cupboard or shouting out the window um, but that doesn't mean it's not uh, they shouldn't do it but they shouldn't pour shed loads more resources into that compared to paid I think you're right so if paid can provide results quicker than um, than organic they should both exist but the majority of time and budget and resources um, I think should be spent on, on pay. It depends on the brief and the brand, but should be on, on spend because that's just going to keep generating. If you do it right and tweak it and, you know, test copy, A-B test content and try different videos and try different audiences, that can be making money money for the brand every month um, and the organic just kind of backs it up. When you're talking about um, personal branding, so LinkedIn, for example, I know that we found each other uh, on LinkedIn. So for a personal brand on LinkedIn, or, or, you know, there's still really good organic reach on LinkedIn still, even though there's been a little bit of a wobble in terms of um, <laughs> yeah. video reach recently. There, then it's all about organic content. So I've never spent any money on, on content on LinkedIn. That will change at some point. Um, surprised it hasn't changed yet, but it's, mm. it's getting there. As a brand though, I would need to spend on, on LinkedIn. But as a person, the only place I can go at the moment where I know I can get traction by doing consistent organic posting is LinkedIn. Mm. With, uh, with LinkedIn, another, another quick tangent. Um, one thing that I found interesting is obviously with all these algorithm changes and the idea that they could be pushing us towards in the same way that Facebook did paid advertising a little bit more. Um, what's your thought? I don't know if you have any experience in LinkedIn. I have about one paid advertisement of 50 pounds on LinkedIn and it wasn't all that great compared to Facebook. So I don't know if you have any experience in it, but I know it's a lot, a lot more um, expensive, around 20 times more expensive than Facebook, and I think 10 times than uh, more expensive than Google as well. Um, do, what What do you think? If any experience, what do you think needs to change with that? Because the the can it run paid advertising at, at costs that much when Facebook still provides the results it does? What's your yeah? I, I've all, I've never tried it because I've just I've just heard that it's so expensive, just like you have, and I, I haven't even tried it. Um, I, I also think they should or they might do something what they might do is so if you're paying for LinkedIn premium and you're using sales navigator or business platinum man part three or whatever it's called yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. the sections are um, if you're paying for that then I would have thought that LinkedIn would give you some uh, concessions to, to do ads or um, maybe they might maybe you might be rewarded more or get even more access in terms of advertising and reach I, I would I would have thought that what they could do to people uh, is say, 
because they make a lot of revenue obviously from the from the premium LinkedIn premium mm. is they can say to people look if you don't have premium then your reach isn't going to be that big but if you've got premium your reach is back to how it used to be I kind of expect them to do that mm. um, I don't think they've done it yet I've tried premium and it's a waste of time uh, in my opinion yeah uh, very sorry. much I've, I've sorry never, LinkedIn yeah I've never <laughs> bang goes my reach <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> bang and the reach is gone exactly I've, uh, I, I'm exactly the same though I've never never even looked to be fair at the at the, um, at the premium um, I think it's I good think... if you it's good for new business sorry to interrupt it's good if you're looking to like, if you're like a hardcore salesperson and you need numbers and you need to get yeah um, you need to get people on the board and you need meetings then I think it's definitely good for that because it's just basically a giant pit of people's names and and, yeah. and contact so mm. uh, uh, yeah it makes it makes sense I think with the with the actual advertising side of things though I mean Facebook's got so many more uh, places where it can actually put those adverts I mean for one it's got Instagram as well so it's actually got two platforms to and begin WhatsApp. with but and, and WhatsApp as well yeah exactly but it's got so many variations within that platform of where it can actually post those ads um, whereas LinkedIn doesn't, it's really only in feeds and that horrible one line written bit of text that you get on the top of desktop. And that's that's about it. Um, so the, I think Facebook's probably got the edge or probably always going to have the edge that I can't see LinkedIn bringing out a LinkedIn marketplace. Um, I can't see they've brought out stories. Perhaps there'd be adverts in stories. Uh, probably I haven't got it here. Bit, it's not in Brazil. Everyone's talking about stories, but I don't think it's got still it in, not Brazil. in Brazil. I thought they were testing no. it in Brazil, though. I thought it started I did. over there. <laughs> I did. Maybe I've just been penalized for being too honest in my comments yeah. or posts sometimes, perhaps. but I haven't got it yet. We'll get you to say some um, good stuff about LinkedIn before we wrap up and maybe um, get on the good side. That's straight. I thought they were literally testing it in, in Brazil, though. They, um, they, they do normally test everything in Brazil, but, um, but personally, I don't have it yet. It's, but shit. What you just, it's shit anyway, so you're not missing out. <laughs> I haven't seen of... anybody's stories, but I remember when LinkedIn Live came out and people were doing LinkedIn Lives, and man, there was a, not much imagination going into people's LinkedIn Lives. I don't see them anymore. I don't see many people doing them. Again, mm. I don't know if it's because I've been sectioned off by LinkedIn and put in the naughty corner, but I, don't, I just don't see it. Um, and I did do a kind of tongue-in-cheek video way back when they first came out where um, I did a video of, I was like hi welcome welcome to my uh, very first LinkedIn live video and then I just moved my phone to a wall with paint on it that was drying so I had wet paint and then just filmed that for like a minute and then uploaded it and some people got it um, as in like yeah watch some paint dry because it's way more interesting but actually yeah. going back to ads that's just reminded me I remember once sat at my desk and, and I saw a LinkedIn McDonald's ad it was there on the right hand side on the desktop mm. and it just said like what's the premium it's not the McChicken sandwich it was like the premium one where the bread's a bit better and less plastic and it's got, yeah. probably got a bit more lettuce in it <laughs> the, the McChicken premium whatever it was there it was just a picture of it and I was like what what's the UX here? What what happens here? Because there's no real wow. call to act. So I clicked on it, and it took me to um, a landing page where it was a picture of a McChicken sandwich, telling me the price of it. That was it. That was the journey. Wow. So, click on the picture to see a larger picture <laughs> on the site. You Didn't take it my detail. <laughs> you remembered it. <laughs> I remembered it because it was like didn't make any sense. It was basically That's just. Well, it, I guess if we think about it for a second, it's not that bizarre because they're, they're, 
they just want to put the McDonald's, the, the McDonald's brand is so well known that I've got the McDonald's brand there in my peripheral vision, job done. There's a chicken sandwich, might make me feel hungry. That's it, don't, don't think they need me to click on it. They're, so, they're that well known that when I clicked on it, they're probably, they probably just went like, oh shit, what happens if people click on it? Um, <laughs> yeah. Just show it him again. Yeah. Yeah. Because that makes more sense actually than um, Chiquita, Chiquita Bananas. So this, we're, we're probably going into the, to the realm of engagement a bit here, talking about engagement mm. again versus actually results. Um, so Chiquita Bananas, I was having my breakfast one morning and there were bananas, banana bowl there on the table. There was a QR code on the banana. So I was like, what? Okay, so I got my phone. Uh, this was before actually the phone automatically, the camera in the iPhone automatically uh, yeah, got yeah, the yeah. QR code. So I had to go to Blipar, get out Blipar, use the QR code using Blipar. Uh, and then it took me to um, a website where there was a video of them harvesting the bananas. <clears throat> And uh, it was a very expensive, high production, uh, expensive, well-designed website. Um, but it didn't really, I don't know what they were trying to do. It didn't really add much to my, to my association or relationship with Chiquita Bananas. When I buy bananas, I don't really notice. I just look at the color of them and if they look edible, I don't really look at the sticker. Yeah. Yes, you're right. I've remembered it was Chiquita. But it's only because I then post about it on LinkedIn going, what's this like what <laughs> what is this is did yeah. they have some money left over in their budget that they needed to spend mm. uh, it was very expensive and didn't re it just basically left me confused but i get to watch a banana video of bananas being harvested by clicking on a banana with my phone bizarre <laughs> absolutely bizarre uh yeah it's a weird one though because you still even from that yeah you still remember it so it is like i don't know it served absolutely no purpose other than to mention it as a worst-in-class example on this it's podcast. Just the most, most confused, doing, so. well, it's just the most confused-in-class rather than worst-in-class. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the thing is, I th I, I'm not sure what effect it would have had on their bottom line in terms of selling bananas if they'd have not spent that money on the QR code and the video of bananas being harvested. Let's mm. say if they didn't make that money. I think they could have just put that onto the bottom line and made more money by not yeah. doing it. I'm not sure because if it was, it was just an activation. It wasn't tied into any overarching, you know, it wasn't wow. like bananas saving the planet, replanting forests, something that's going on and on, mm -hmm. something that I could get behind and go, oh shit, they sell bananas, but they also do lots of cool, other cool stuff. It yeah. wasn't, it was just, hi, this is what we do with our bananas. They come off there and they go on that truck and they go there. That's what I expect you to do. I don't need you to show it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> mental that's mental uh in terms of outsourcing i'm gonna I, i'm aware that i'm using up a bit of your time here so we're gonna let you answer this i'm not gonna come back to you with any more rants and then we'll quickly round it up with however many questions we can get in to round it up um do you think it's sensible first of all for businesses to outsource um marketing efforts in terms of agencies and all that sort of stuff um i'm gonna say that i don't think that they should if they can get away with hiring someone or if they have the ability to hire someone 
and I say that as a freelancer who wants loads of businesses to hire him for doing work. But um, if you, if so, what do you think is the is the kind of right balance? And I, I, I ask this to give you a bit of context. I ask this um, with the experience of working at a huge PLC that saw huge detachment, one from themselves and the agency, and kind of taking away the responsibility of any <laughs> in terms of results um, and, and that sort of stuff and pushing it onto them. But also having so many different agencies looking after so many different things that it was pretty much the agencies working between themselves or should it would have been better off, sorry, working between themselves and, and had a huge disconnect there. So as someone who um, I assume sees quite a bit of that, it'd be interesting to get your, get your thoughts. <laughs> well, um, the clients definitely should you outsource and use people from outside their company, especially in marketing or anything creative. Um, you know, marketing's like creative science, but they should definitely hire people from outside the organization. One reason is that the people in the organization are too obsessed with what they're doing day to day. So if you're working on a toothbrush brand, you get up uh, in the morning, you just think about toothbrushes, you go to bed at night, you're just thinking about toothbrushes, that's it. Um, so you can be blinded by your own closeness to the product and biased. So definitely need people with outside perspective that can bring in ideas that you wouldn't have thought of because you're too obsessed with you. I mean, that's a simplified way of doing it, but yeah, outside brains definitely can help you think of ways of doing things differently. Um, I also think that, well, definitely when it comes to creativity, the most talented people generally in marketing don't work for brands, they work for agencies or freelancers. Mm. Um, and so those clients need that create, creative flair and that creative talent. Um, you know, really, really, truly mentally creative, like animators, filmmakers, editors, they don't want to work for Doritos. They want to work for themselves, maybe give themselves a crazy name like I am Zorro or something. <laughs> and then I am Zorro works for Doritos, gets paid, shows his work and then works for a trampoline company and then works for NASA. You know, that's what really creative people want. They don't just want to be talking about toothbrushes all day. So there's a symbiosis. Uh, this reminds me of actually, so what you said with your example, um, if you've got too many agencies, it doesn't make sense. And the person at the center, the brand, just kind of gets torn all over the place. And if the agencies aren't synergizing, yes. uh, aren't working well together, then it's just a nightmare mess. It's just like a bowl of spaghetti. Um, what I thought about, what's actually quite interesting is this model that, you know, Oliver, the agency Oliver, they're like humongous um, ad agency. Sure. I don't think I do actually. Check them out. So the way that they've done it is they work for all the, they're a humongous agency, but they work for all the hum, a lot of humongous brands. Um, so I'm, I know they work for Unilever, for example. The way that they've done it is rather than being like, if you imagine like, um, if you imagine like a whale shark and it's got lots of remora eels attached to it, you know those things that are attached to it as it swims that just make it look a bit ugly. Yeah, so they're like normal agencies all underneath it. Oliver's like inside the shark. So Oliver, they like, they have in-house teams at Unilever. So, you know, there's like, a, say, an, for example, an art director working at Unilever and they've got a, a title and they're at the Unilever office, but they actually work for Oliver, the agency. Wow, okay. They're literally in the same office. They've like melded together. That's a very smart, I mean, a, a bad word to use, um, a negative connotation to use would be like, 
an awesome parasite, but uh, it's a symbiotic relationship. So, yeah. Uh, but that 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 Oliver are really interesting how they've done the model. Smart. That's I do. Uh, I do like. That. I. I. I feel like I do need to give a bit of context on. Um. On mine. The reason that. The reason being is that I see a lot of. Um, for so the kind of work that I get asked to do a bit more around the corporate stuff, like you know announcements here and there, and and a few different bits and pieces like that. Um. And I. I've ended up getting in quite a bit of work because I underprice myself. Um. Very horrendously. I'm happy with the price until they tell me, oh well, you're actually the cheapest by about ten times because one agency was going to charge us 800 pound per day just for the cameraman to turn up and that's without a camera uh, we have to either provide it or we have to uh, to hire one in i'm like wow i'm charging you like 400 quid for this entire video um so there's there's that side of and see people end up spending a lot of businesses rather sorry end up spending a huge huge amount just because it's like well we can you know we're gonna in terms of outsourcing and stuff like that um but so that so i always have if you if you if you have someone there's probably two sides to it if you one have the person who has the skills to do so whether it's visual whether it's copyright and whatever it is but then you also have the management in place uh, and the strategy that's kind of already there i think actually that's that's the point that um that I need to make. I'm going to do a video on it separately, so I'll I'll rant about that separately. But I, I see no, a huge dis- a disconnect on on that side of things because because like managers would get in, you would have part time managers looking after like PR or whatever it is, and we just oh we just palm that off to that agency, they didn't do that, um, and all that sort. And, and like seeing a disconnect from from that side as opposed to a bit of a higher level thing of like let's be sensible. They did actually bring social media in house, and we were made redundant. I said I wasn't going to mention it, but I did. <laughs> um and but and that was that but that they brought it in house which i thought was the right thing to do but it was without the without the strategy in place and it was just left left to your own devices you're you're employed to do that now and then that's that and eight months later <laughs> bin them off because we don't have a million likes on facebook <laughs> so um so yeah anyway. i think the, the perfect the perfect um <clears throat> go bet- it would be a go between wouldn't it um the solution would be for let's take editing for example if you had a company and they had an in-house editor, then that in-house editor could be ups- would be upskilling themselves and learning. But they can learn. It doesn't mean they don't they don't work with outside ed- editors or like assistant editors or creative directors or whatever. Um, so you know, then if that makes sense for that company, rather than if the in-house editor wasn't there and there's a complete disconnect and they're just like, oh, agency, do this stuff. We don't get it. Can you make it look smaller? Can you make him say something different in post-production? Can you make him wear different jeans? No, we can't do that. That's really impossible. Why not? Whereas if you've got an editor in-house, they'd say, oh, I, I, I'm in-house. I get that we can't make him say something differently, that we have to reshoot that. I understand that. So, that, so yeah, there's pros and cons. Mm. But the thing is, if the company's got enough money and doesn't care, um, they're obviously just going to chuck it out to, to agencies. I think that's why for freelancers, the the kind of corporate world or or that side of things or the slightly bigger businesses, um, is the is always the aim, isn't it? De- Den Lenny, um, who runs a great video business podcast that I've mentioned quite a bit, he made the perfect point. I don't know if it was his or if he was quoting someone, but anyway, he made the perfect point that with those businesses, even charities as well, they're spending other people's money, so they're more likely to go, oh, it's two grand for that, yeah, no worries, have it. Um, whereas obviously when you're trying to target the smaller businesses for all that for me at least anyway they're the more enjoyable to 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 work with obviously the budgets aren't necessarily always there or a little bit more restrictive and then end up as a result maybe have that short-term um, mindset as well a little bit uh, uh, as well but um, but yeah with, with corporates it's never their money it's someone else's isn't it or it's you know 
So that's that's it's a the shareholders. The shareholders, exactly. Let's not get into shareholders. Exactly. Yeah, let's. Yeah, let's not. <laughs> let's not. Let's then, because um, I'm conscious of your time. Get on to some quick fire questions. You can answer these with literally in one word, and then I can sign off and, and let you go, or feel free to delve into them a little in bit one if, word you, if you want. Possible, <laughs> well, let's I'm see. saying one word. The next one is three actionable tips. So uh, maybe a minimum of three words, but who knows? Three actionable tips for people um, to at least start um, creating decent decent content on, on social. To do it in three words is quite cool. So <laughs> curiosity, okay. curiosity, curate. Yeah. and create but you can't say what's an actual actionable tip for creating successfully <laughs> just create um, yeah. <laughs> but it sort but of is though isn't it it really you know it's uh, you do yeah. need to just do that you just do need to do the amount of people that I meet that know shit loads about and are amazing at what they do but they just can't kind of take the first step to tell everybody about what they're thinking which is mm-hmm. just film themselves or write posts which is creating no I think um, being curious about the world um, so if you were if you're working in uh, I don't know let's say if you're working for a sports brand you don't just have to look and think about sports um, look about what's going on in the world um, look at trends look at what's happening with nature look at what's happening with languages culture so if you have a, a huge curiosity about what's going on in the world that curiosity I find will spark things that you can relate back to what you're trying to sell or what you're trying to preach or what you're trying, the messages you're trying to get out. So curiosity is the big one. Um, and then, yeah, it's bravery. It's about kind of just not caring if other people are gonna disagree with you or think you're an idiot or don't like your hair color or don't think you speak properly or have a weird accent or whatever. You've got to really Definitely just not care. Definitely at the Geordie there. <laughs> Did you notice? No, the Geordie accent's cool. Um, not. Yeah, curiosity and bravery, you need, you need both those things. Um, and if you can just um, dial those two things up, you just start creating. The best thing, the best piece of advice I ever give out or I ever got that I then re-give out is if you, if you post something on LinkedIn, for example, and you get trolled, people say, that's bullshit, I can't believe you said that's total nonsense. Then celebrate that moment because that means you're creating, you've, you've made an impact, you're getting awareness. Don't don't crawl up into a corner, delete all your profiles, and leave the country. Yeah. Just think, right, cool. I've made it. I'm starting to get traction. I'm literally, go and have a pint the first time you get trolled. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, right. The rest the rest can be as quick fire as you like. So, favorite content creators on LinkedIn. Oh, uh, sorry, sorry. I, I misread my notes. Favorite content creators, and then the note is LinkedIn or elsewhere. Well, the first one's Dave Gerhardt. I, I hope I've pronounced his surname right. Uh, who's a CMO of Privy. Check him out on LinkedIn. Dan Kelsall is ridiculously creative and funny. Yeah. Um, he's co-founder of Offended Marketing. Dave Harland is just brilliant on LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, he's probably in other places as well, but he's mm-hmm. definitely worth checking out. Jess Cunningham is really good. She used to be uh, on LinkedIn. She's just really good to camera. Um, content I think she does really well and kind of mixes up personal with business really well uh, who else is really good uh, Timothy Armu from Fanbytes is really good and then from brands we, I mean I've spent a little bit of time dissing brands chatting to you about like <laughs> no they're not creative enough they need agencies but 
two people who are really good who work for giant challenger brands. So Mauro Porcini for Pepsi, he's the um, senior vice president for design. He He's worth a follow and a check out on LinkedIn. So is Fernando uh, Machado, who is the global CMO of restaurant brands, which is Burger King. So again, another kind of uh, powerful challenger brand. So yeah, I've said that really quick and I hope you got some of those. Um, indeed, I did indeed. Check I'm them all chat, out. I'm going to check them out. Favorite social media platform? LinkedIn. LinkedIn, fair play. No, nothing more to need to be said on that one. Least favorite social media platform? Pinterest. Good answer. Uh, this one, this one came from uh, the episode with Tom Hitch, which went out yesterday at the time of recording this and went out about six months ago in the time of publishing this. Uh, room 101 of social media, what would you get rid of? Oh, man. Um, what would I get rid of? Um, National Mango Day. <laughs> Awareness days that make no sense. Yeah. Hashtag National Chip Week. Bin yeah. bin. All that. Just ditch all that crap. <laughs> Good answer. A very, very, very good answer. Uh, best or favorite piece of content that you've seen uh, this week? Oh, man. Right. Okay. Let me remember this. Do I, did I note it down? The best one I've seen this week, um, it was by, it's an influencer for Philips. It, no, it's an influencer. It's on TikTok and it's for Philips Razor. He shaves his head up to about there, puts yeah. in a top knot puts on um, a 1980s shell suit top. And the reason why he does it is because he's, his uh, driving license is up for renewal. So he knows that the photo in the driving license is gonna be there for 10 years. He used a Philips razor. He looks absolutely ridiculous. Goes in, keeps a straight face. And basically his picture on his, um, on his driving license is shaved head halfway back, top knot, Timmy Mallet um, kind of, uh, uh, shell suit top and it's an influencer god who's the one oh it's a guy it's a marketing guy from three who shared it um you know the the, the mobile network it's brilliant it's ridiculous that's the I'm best piece to, i'm gonna have to check that one out favorite piece of content of all time ever uh favorite piece of content of all time ever will be uh, Jesus. Oh, maybe it could be Kubrick with 2001 Space Odyssey, or it could be Terence Malick, Thin Red Line. One of those two films. That, that. One of those two films? Yes, but it's oh, content. It is content. Good, good point. You've dodged the question, but you've done it well, so I'll say a fair play to that. Nice. <laughs> I've got I've got no clue uh, of either of those because I'm not a, I'm not a film person. I think I've watched about four films in my entire life, um, all of which involve either Kevin Hart or Jim Carrey. So there we are. Oh, um, you, right. On another call, we need to do all the Ace Ventura because um, I've watched Ace Ventura about oh, well, six hundred so, well, million see, times. Hang on a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've caught us out there because I say four films. That's a bit of a lie. I think we're stretching on to six because I only watched The Grinch last year uh, for the first time. Oh, that's a good one. Um, but yeah, so the two the two Ace Venturas. Alrighty then. Probably two favourite films of all time. The David yeah. Brent. The da I don't know if you're a fan of The Office. I love Ricky Gervais, but um, the David Brent film 
life on life on the road. Keep the noise down. <laughs> nah, turn it up. I've heard about that. I can't deal with it. It's just gonna my face. My face will cringe off. It's just ridiculous. Are you not a fan of of the Office? No, I, no, I am. I am. It makes me laugh. But I mean, I have to be in the right place to watch that guy sometimes. Cause it's just <laughs> ridiculous. That's no good. I, I love that film. I've watched that I don't know how many times. And then and then a few other things with Kevin Hart and Jim Carrey. But anyways, yeah. So I'm not a massive film nerd, so I need to go I need to go look them uh, look them up. That's my homework. Two thousand one two thousand one Space Odyssey, you have to watch it, otherwise we're not allowed to talk every Fair day. enough. Fair enough. Right. <laughs> well then I might be avoiding your posts for quite a while because uh, a mate of mine give me what did he give me? Um this was about four years ago. Uh Shaun of the Dead. Come on, yeah, Shaun, Shaun of the, the Dead. dead. Gave, I've got I've got the DVD which he gave he gave me about four years ago. I'm just one of those people. You get I know I know. Well, I just I I, I awesome. claim I claim I like to like to claim that I'm a little bit too busy for <laughs> Simon Pegg's uh, Simon Pegg. Um, I like still that. love Spaced by Simon Pegg. Two series. It's absolutely brilliant. Watch it. No idea what you're talking about. I'm not going to talk to you if you <laughs> don't watch that either. No not going to talk to you again if you don't watch Spaced. That's it. Right. Well, I'll have to. Inter- um, I'm gonna, can I storm I, out the interview? You, you can do if you want. We were just about to sign out anyway, so... <laughs> Wait, hang on. That doesn't really work because I can't hear what you're saying. What? It's not a successful storm out. we were about to sign off anyway, so it sort of loses, um, yeah, loses dramatic effect. Now I've always but... wanted to storm out. It's kind of really celebrity, isn't it? Can it we is, try it? it? All right, go on. Um, all, all, all that I need from you is where people can find you and then you can storm off in a huff. <laughs> where you can find me? Um, yes. LinkedIn, Matt W hyphen... W Webster, um, Matt W Webster on Twitter. God, I should know this a lot better. And um, do you want? Do you want and, me to put and it yeah, on and my website, mw-w.com. Put it on screen if you want to do any post production. Yeah. Can I, I can I storm do. out now? You can storm out now. You can storm off in a huff now. Thanks a lot, David. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>